mind. Has anybody ever heard that? He said, this, that was the, that, that is, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus then made an astounding proclamation. He said, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. And so we've been journeying, journeying sorry, through how the ten are fulfilled in the two. Four of those words of the Lord told us how God wants to be loved. We've, if, if you've been there, go back on the website. You can catch them all. We talked about worship and idols. We talked about the word of God concerning that, the word of God concerning his name, the word of God concerning his rest. Anybody remember that one? It was a hard one to forget. And then there were other, there were other words, six other words that God spoke in what we call these commandments, and they demonstrate on how we are to love other people. Last week, we delved into that, and we talked about God's word concerning our words, how it ought, they ought to be truthful. Telling the truth is a really good policy. Anybody say amen to that? I've got another word of the Lord for you today, and the text is short. I think you're going to be able to read it with me, all right? Throw it up there. Let's see if we can read this together. Here we go. Is it coming? Here we go. Not that one. They're doing a great job. There we go. All right. Here we go. Everybody ready? Let's read it together. Thou shall not kill. Did you miss it? Let's do it again. Thou shall not kill. Now, all of you are sitting there, and me included, if I heard that, and say, no problem here. No problem. No problem. I mean, I may have thought about it for a second, but I've never done it or were serious about it. I'm going to try to propose to you that the fulfilling of this commandment, we may all be guilty of. Because when Jesus dealt with killing, he dealt what was at the root of killing. And the root of killing is something we all struggle with from one moment to another. Today, let me preach to you for just for a little while about the word concerning your anger. The word concerning your anger. Would you lay your Bibles down, lift your hands to heaven. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. You have already just demonstrated your power and your spirit in this sanctuary and the classes this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. And truly, Lord, without it, there's nothing we're doing that's worth anything. So we thank you, Lord, for blessing us and being here. Now, Lord, with your presence and your word, do your perfect work. God, we give you license. God, we give you permission for this word to go beyond the feeble words that might come out of my mouth and for them to explode in our hearts and minister to us. God, let the Holy Ghost be in operation in this house right now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Let's praise him together for his word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word that's so solid and settled. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Life belongs to God. Let me just start off by saying that. Life is God's creation. Nothing we ever had a hand in. Only something that we benefited from. In us. It is us. 
Everything about us is interwoven into life, and none of it really belongs to us. It belongs to God. It should be holy. It should be right. There should be no problems with it. But in the darkest reaches of human beings' sinful nature, there is, and we can all see it, the willingness to kill with high-profile murder cases filling our headlines, with wars and conflicts raging all over our planet, with drug use, drug trafficking, human trafficking, and killers like fentanyl flowing into our country, with murder rates that are in such staggering levels that we have we've never seen in, in past history, and it seems like it almost can't get any worse, with more than and people argue whether this is even accurate or not, and it may even be on the low side, arguing that more than 900,000 abortions every year. It takes no stretch of the imagination to see that mankind, at his worst state, does not value human life. Life is God's gift. Life is his creation. And I'll just kind of stop here for a second a brief commercial. There's no other stance for the church on this. For the church, life is valuable. For the church, valuing every life is not just important. It's impossible to see it any other way. Every life, every race, every color, every person, the good ones, what we think of the bad ones, the sane ones, the weird ones, raise your hand if you're one of them, amen. Every single life is valuable to God. The born, the unborn, life belongs to God. And I pity the person that ever wants to put his hand or his head and heart against what God says is his own. Now, with all that said, I got a lot of amens there, and I knew I would. I knew I started talking about that. I, I, I might even have somebody take a lap and shout over some of that stuff. And while we can pick it and we can shake our heads at the brutality of what we see and what we witness and what we read of, the truth is, this is strong, get ready. There's a little bit of killer in all of us. Maybe few here would even think for a moment to bring harm with their hands. But that same person, may think very little about the harm they do with their heart and what comes out of it. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said that we ought to be more accountable to each other in this context than just, I'm gonna allow you to continue to breathe on the planet. That there is a higher accountability. It's the sixth word of the Lord. Thou shall not murder. In the Old Testament, he told us not with our hands. But in the New Testament, he told us not with our hearts. I don't know if you know this or not, but anger can kill. You don't believe me? Believe the New York Times. They're credible. They published an article, and here's what they said about us. They said that 2022 was the year that we lost it. They called it the year of rage. They said 30% of people have a close friend or family member who has trouble controlling their anger. 10% of the Americans say are willing to say that they themselves 
sometimes do not control their anger. 25% of us believe that we worry at least about our ability to control our anger. 20% of people say there was either a relationship or a friendship with someone that was lost because somebody got mad. 60% of America agrees that we're all getting madder and madder. Less than 15% of those, all those people have sought any help for their anger problems. 80% of the people believe you ought to seek some help for those problems. 5% of you had a fight with your neighbor this week. Who are you? Come on, you wanna raise your hand? 5%, 80% of drivers, oh, that didn't hit me. Well, okay, here we go, you ready? 80% of drivers had said, I've at least felt road rage. 25 of you did something about it. Mm. 50% of us, now, now for all of you that are just, oh no, driving's fine. Listen, this will get everybody. You ready? Everybody get ready to say amen. 50% of us have overreacted to technical problems with our devices. Mark Shukri, I expect you to shout. Anger kills. Anger can kill. It will try, if it's allowed, it will try and kill everything good for you and everything good around you. Jesus addressed this. He, he addressed this and said, let me just flush out a little bit. Let me expand on this idea of thou shall not kill. You've heard it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say, pay attention when Jesus says, but I say, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Racha, which is a Hebrew word which means worthless. Anybody that'll look at another human being and say, you are worthless, you will be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool. Now, now, Raquel, that's not a word that we go around saying, but fool, we know some of that, right? We use that from time to time. But just understand, it was even a little tougher of a word in biblical context. It means rebel against God. You, you call somebody that. He said, you'll be in danger of hellfire. Now, I know this is true. Jesus said, it's not just the work of the hands it's what causes the work of the hands. It's the work of the heart that gets out into your extremities and gets out into your thinking and gets out into your actions that causes the real damage. I can tell you from my experience in the role as a pastor and trying to help people occasionally in their life. Here's what I can tell you. I've watched anger kill a marriage. I've watched anger kill children and kill the relationship with their parents. I've watched anger kill a brother and a sister in the Lord. I know people that don't go to church today because anger wasn't dealt with. Now, you can blame that on them or blame that on one I'm just telling you, anger kills. I've seen anger kill churches. 
I've seen anger kill. We've all seen the last few years. Has not anger wreaked havoc on communities and destroyed entire communities because of the anger that is in our society right now? I've seen anger destroy people's plans. I didn't mean it to end this way. I had other plans. There was other steps I was going to take. There was, I, I've seen anger destroy people's destinies that, that, that God had planned for them. But because anger wasn't dealt with, destinies were destroyed. It's no surprise. If you read your Bible, it's no surprise that this is at such a rampant pace. Because the Bible describes Satan as the prince of the power of the air. And here's what Ephesians says he's doing, that he is the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the lust and the desires of our mind, our flesh and of our mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, just as others. The Bible tells us that when you don't rule your own spirit, you're like a city that's broken down without walls and without protection. The Bible tells us that an angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgressions and mistakes and sin. A fool, only a fool, the Bible says it, gives vent to his spirit in everything. An insult of a fool is known at once. He commonly, he automatically just responds. You contend with a foolish man, the Bible says, says, whether a fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. Proverbs tells us that harsh words, they stir up anger. I I was listening and, and you say, well, I try to keep that out of my conversations. Here's the problem. Technology is the bane of our existence. It's the blessing, but it's also the bane. I I remember I was reading things this week preparing and I read this quote and I love it. Okay. It's, it's maybe a dad joke. Just forgive me. But it said, whosoever thought something so sweet as a tweet could do so much damage. Amen. So I made up some. Whosoever thought you could roast with a post? How could you ever imagine that you could affect how people feel with a reel? You old folks don't know what that is, but the kids know what that is. I couldn't think of a word to rhyme with story, so Instagram is just out. It must be okay. Our words and anger, they used to be confined. They used to be confined to close quarters of face-to-face conversation. But now they're long-range attacks, ballistic missiles that can be fired anytime, anywhere across the planet. Now, I'm not trying to give anger a bad name. I'm, I'm telling you right now, anger actually will work very well for you if you do it the way God says to do it. Anger is an emotion that is God-given. You look through Scripture, there were times where Jesus was visibly angry and act on it. But there's a way. Come on, say this way. There's a way to be angry. See, you got to be angry at the right things. Now, Nathan, flow with me here. Nathan's doing a great job this morning. I I read this post this week, and I just want to share it with you. Here's the first part of the post. Me with a red with red swollen eyes, tear-stained face, sobbing, I say, I refuse to let you hurt me again like that. Personal trainer, it was one sit-up. <laughs> Just one. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you've got to learn to be angry at the right things. We live 
listen to me. We live in a hypersensitized, easily offended, self-absorbed, red-faced, tantrum-throwing time. And in this time, God gives us instruction and says, be angry at the right things. Paul outlines it in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And then very important words, neither give place to the devil. One translation says, don't give a foothold to the devil. Don't give him a place to get in because anger is the beginning. Anger is a platform for Satan to do his destruction on all those things, your relationships, your marriage, even your pursuit and walk with God. It's not just a convenience where he'll take the opportunity when he gets the chance. This is part of the devil's battle plan. His battle plan is to make you angry and to make you so mad that you're furious, not just once, not just twice, but over and over and over again and as often as possible because he knows the angrier he can keep you, the more secure his foothold is in your life. His desire, listen to pastor today, is to turn your anger into what is unhealthy. It's called wrath. And James told us this, listen, you need to be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Stay away from that wrath because the wrath of man work cannot work the righteousness of God. So all you folks that say, I can't help it. When I get mad, I just see red. I believe you, but here's the thing. Don't you let that use, be used as an excuse. There's a way to be angry and there's a way to do it right. And there's a way where angry will, anger will help you and push you forward instead of killing you and everything else around you. Say, be angry in the, in the right way. Be angry. It's okay. Let me just say this real quick. It's okay to be angry with what's wrong around you. There, there is injustice in this world. There are things that are wrong. And God is never on the side of injustice. He's not on the side of prejudice. He's not on the side of hate. He's not on the side of neglect. It's wrong to devalue someone because of the color of their skin or their, even their thoughts or their own personal moral code inside of them. It's wrong to devalue, listen to my words, devalue someone even because of the wrong choices that they make in their life. People can make terrible choices that God hates, but even in the hatred of their actions, they are valuable in the sight of God. Listen to me. These times, there was a time where God winked at ignorance, but now he commands all men to repent. I don't care how bad folks get, God's still reaching. I said he's still reaching. You can be angry at what's wrong with the behavior of this world, but I'm just stopping off to tell everybody that anger can never be wrath and devaluation of a person in a human life. God gave that life. God made that life. And I'm telling you, God's reaching for that life. So you can be angry with what's wrong around you. And you also really need to be angry at what's going on in you or what's wrong in you. Anger is a warning light on the dashboard of your life. 
It's a light that shines and tells you what happens. These new cars, you know, they got all these lights and these gizmos. And you don't even know what's wrong. How many mechanics? There's only about two or three mechanics in this place. The rest of us have no idea what's going on with our car. We have no idea. When we push the gas, we want it to go. We know we're supposed to put gas inside of it, right? But beyond the gas and pushing and putting in gear, and some of us don't even know all the bells and lights. We just know we got to go, right? Come on, who's with me? But those lights on your dashboard are for a reason. All the mechanics are going to say, preach, pastor. Just tell them, tell them. Uh, they're there for a reason. When that light comes on, do you know what that means? There is something wrong with your engine or there's something wrong with one of the systems that is in that car. Now, I want you to, here's a moment of honesty, moment of honesty. How many of you right now, today, you drove here and there's a light on in your car? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Look at all these lights. How many, how, don't, don't answer, how long has that light been on? How long does that lie be on? And you know what we say? We go to somebody that's got like just half knowledge, half sense somewhere. What about this light? How many's ever heard this? Oh, don't worry. It's just a sensor. You know what that translates to us? That translates, well, if I can still go, then who cares? Right? I just go. Why spend the money to fix all the, can I tell you something? There's a reason why they put those sensors on there. Some of them are for safety. Some of them keep you out of trouble. Some of them will keep you from getting stranded in the middle of nowhere with nowhere to go. I just wonder, now let's stop talking about cars. Let's start talking about us. How many of you have got lights on on your dashboard right now? How long has that dashboard been blinking at you? How long has God been trying to get your attention about the anger that's in your life? And you had some well-meaning individual saying, oh, it's just a sensor. It'll be all right. The devil is a liar. The reason why God gives you the emotion of anger is so that you can understand I've got something I've got to deal with. I've got something that's got to change. And the reason why some of you are clapping because you know what handles that change. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But listen, that light we were talking about in class this morning, I'm telling you the light of the Holy Ghost is what handles this issue for us. Somebody say Amen. You need to be angry with what's wrong in us. And the right time to be angry, listen, the right time to be angry is just long enough for you to do something about it. Just long enough for you to do something about it. Paul said, let not the sun, listen, that's why I said there's a little bit of killer in all of us because every, I, I don't even raise your hand if you violated. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. He said, more than a day of being angry will do damage. More than a day, literally more than a day can do damage. You need to pay attention to the sensors in your car. It's not wrong to be angry, but you need to be angry at what's done in, what, what, what's wrong within you. And honestly, here's where you're wanting to go. You want to come on, talk about it, pastor. You, it's okay to be angry about the wrong done to you. It's okay. Some of you have just got a breath of fresh air. Oh, I knew I was right. I, I knew, I knew, I understood. I, I knew that was right. But I'm telling you, the scripture says it's all right to be angry at the wrong done to you. Now, the thing is, we look, we use this word. It's a modern word, 
that, that we find in our Bible, but we, we don't translate it correctly. The word offense is huge today. Fence, I'm offended, fence, offense. But actually, we misuse that word in the Bible. The, the, the word offense in the Bible usually means like temptations, traps, and snares, spiritual things like that. Or it can mean our offenses before God. Really, if you want to study about the wrong done to you and what you should do about it, you need to look at the correct words of ought and trespass. That's where you need to get your instruction. Jesus said, now when ought and trespass happen to you, the light is on, pay attention, deal with that. Matthew 18, he says, if they have something against you, Listen, it's real simple. You go to them. Before you come to the altar, before you go into worship, before you go at the next step in your journey with God, if they have done something against you, you go to them. If you, Matthew 5, if you have done something against them, still go to them. We're supposed to communicate. I hate to tell you that right now. But when there are problems, we're supposed to communicate. When we're angry, we're supposed to communicate. You say, you don't want me to communicate when I'm angry. But the Bible says that when you cool down a little bit, you're supposed to go to them and make that thing right. Now, all that to say, there is one place I do believe, and this is a little bit of a commercial, but I couldn't help but throw it in there. There is one place where I think it's okay to stay angry. There's one place where I think you can stay mad and stay angry, and that's at the devil. Because I'm tired and I'm still mad. I wake up mad at the devil that's tearing up families and tearing up marriages. I'm mad that the, the devil is, is confusing our youth to the point they don't even know what truth is and can't even figure out what kind of gender or what gender they are, male or female. I'm mad at the devil that he's ruining people's finances. And I'm mad at the devil that he's distracting people. And I've got scripture that says that I can understand how to com combat that and fight it. Ephesians 6 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is key because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. I'm telling you that problem is not them and that problem is not you. There's a devil in hell that's trying to bring this world to wrath so it destroys itself. But there's something standing in the way. It's every blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled saint of God that says, well, even if I'm mad, even if I'm angry, there's still light, there's still power, there's still the glory of God. And I know how to fight this stuff. So when, married, when, when people come into my office and say, we're having marriage problems, just understand this. If you come into my office, I know your marriage is great, but if you ever ended up in my office wanting counsel in marriage, I want you to know where my mind's at. My mind isn't, boy, he's wrong. And my mind isn't, boy, she's wrong. My mind's in the devil's in the business here. Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Financial problems, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Come on, the, the, the hatred that's in this world, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We need to understand that there is something to fight back with. It is the whole armor of God. I'll even say it does more than stand against the wiles of the devil. We've got an offensive weapon in that arsenal. It's called the Word of God and the Sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is what changes everything. You see, the antidote to anger's potential danger 
is the love of God. So here's what I'm going to suggest to you today. We need to love it go. Now some of you are sitting there saying, you misspoke. I did not misspeak. I have misspoke before. Some of you have a catalog of the times that I have misspoke. But I did not misspeak. Love it go. Healthcare professionals who try their best to help us with our bodies and our minds will suggest to you different words. They'll say, let it go. I looked up the, the top 10 or the, you know, the top whatever ways to deal with anger. And here's what they said. They said, try not to vent. <laughs> okay, I'll try. Number two, take deep breaths. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've hyperventilated <laughs> taking deep breaths. Number three, write about it. They called it, make an anger log. That sounds very <laughs> dangerous. Number four, they said, check in with your anger. I, I, I don't mean to be. They said, rate it. Identify it so you can reason it. And that, it, maybe that'll help. Here, here's the one that I, I love the most. They said, if you're really angry, eat something. <laughs> Ooh. Insert joke here, right? I mean. In times of my life where I've been very, very angry. The last one doesn't make any sense at all. They said exercise. That just makes me madder. <laughs> now, I'm not suggesting that any of these could not help. I'm sure they do. In fact, I look to them logically. It, it's got to. I'm not suggesting that they're not worthy of your attention. But let me just read to you a, a scripture that Peter, the, the most impetuous, the, the most knee-jerk guy in the New Testament. And, and here's what he says. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. And then he quotes Proverbs 10 and 12 and says, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And he said, what does that mean? What does cover mean? Cover literally translates, here's what it means. It means to forgive and disregard the offense of others. He said, above all, above all this that I'm talking about, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have fervent love. He, the King James uses the word charity, which, which is a type and shadow of the agape love of God. It's God's love. It's unfailing love of God. A, a love that covers all this thing. And if you don't, if you need a picture of what this looks like, what this looks like in action, then go no further than Christ himself. Go no further than a God of all the universe that had legions of angels at his disposal, yet put himself into the hands of a finite, small man that would subject his will over him. The Bible says when he went to Calvary that they beat him. Listen to me. I want you to understand, sometimes we read these words and it flies right past us. What man in here? What man in here would put up if I came right now and spit in your face? I'm gonna tell you right now, you may, maybe the Holy Ghost would take control, but there'd be a flash of anger at the very least, and some of you would flash some fists at me too. We wouldn't put up with that kind of stuff. If somebody was beating on us, we'd do our best to get ourselves out of that. But Jesus Christ, the Bible said, he stood there and he took it all. Why? Because such was the love of Jesus. 
And he would go to a cross and not say, boy, we're going to get these guys eventually. No, he would say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You want to know how to deal with anger? Let the love of God cover you and you'll be surprised the people that irritated you and the things that took you out all of a sudden, oh, just forgive them, God. They don't know what they're doing. I'm going to let the love of God just follow me. It's impossible, I believe. This is my words. Write it down, dismiss it, whatever. But I believe it's impossible for anger to persist when the love of God is working. That wrath has no place in God's love. So Jesus could say, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. Jesus would say, you know those enemies that I said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth? I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love them. How crazy, but how powerful is that? Now, I will tell you this. The key, I believe, to loving the love of God being in your heart starts with knowing how much God loves you. How think ye a man having a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray? Doth he not leave the ninety-nine and goeth into the mountains and seek? Everybody say seek. Seek that which is gone astray. Can I tell you Jesus is looking for everybody? I don't care who you are today. Jesus is looking for you. He's looking for his love to be in your heart. If it is, then fine. Get you some more today. But if you're wondering, I don't know if that love is in my heart. I don't know if I could love like that. I'm telling you, that kind of love is available for everybody under the sound of my voice. You thought you showed up on accident today, but the power and the spirit and the will of God has brought you to a place where a preacher could tell you, I'm I'm, I'm on mission today. I'm telling you. I'm on mission. He told me yesterday morning to tell somebody this. I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know the people that have wounded you or the people that you have wounded. I don't care about any of that, but here's the message that God wants you to know. He loves you with an unfailing love. A love that does not quit, a love that does not run out, a love that when you wake up in the morning, it will still be there. Would you stay with me here this morning? Psalms 86 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious. God, you're long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. You're merciful and gentle, slow in getting angry, full of constant loving kindness and truth. The King James says you're full of mercy and truth. Mercy translated as just unfailing love, loyal love, devotion, kindness, the kind of love that's based on a relationship. That's different than what we're used to. We're used to what we call love, and our love has limits. Amen. What we call love, it's, it's got a threshold. Some have low thresholds, and some have very high thresholds, but there is a limit, Right? There's a limit. We waste, you, you waste too many chances with me. I'm done with you. You've had people say, you know what? You just keep doing the same thing. I'm, not, I'm just not gonna, I'm, I'm done with you. We treat people like insurance companies treat people. Too many wrecks, cancel. That's our idea of love. But unfailing love is different. Unfailing love is patient. Failing love is kind. 
Unfailing love bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. Unfailing love never fails. I, I'm just here, I'm just the messenger here to tell somebody today that God is looking to love you like that. Surely goodness, David said, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It'll, it'll track me down. It'll pursue me. I'm here to tell you God's love will find you exactly where you are. It may not even be in this service or, or another service or another church somewhere. I've seen God's love find people in, in, a, in a car in a parking lot. I've seen God's love find people sitting in a booth at Steak and Shake. I've seen God's love find people in their home. I watched as lots of love of God found people at a food pamper. They're just needing some extra groceries. I, I'm just telling you, God's looking for you, and he is in hot pursuit. There is nowhere you can run that God's love will not find you. David said, if I ascend into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. I can go to my highest heights and my deepest depths, but God, your love will find me. God's love will find you here today. And the best thing about that love is it's at its best when you're at your worst. It, God's love is at his best when I'm at my worst. Scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates, he shows us what his love looks like. He demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were sinners, I want you to understand when he said sinners, he meant at our worst. Say out of my worst. At my worst, God died. He died when you were at your worst. If you're all put together, thank God for it. But I'm telling you, at your worst, he died for you then. So that makes me understand that I can walk freely into this grace and this love of God. I've got nothing to be ashamed of because God's looking for me. Now that is a hope that everyone in this room can count on. Everybody say hope. We don't have much of that in these days, do we? Doesn't seem like you look around, there's a whole lot of hope. So many things going wrong. And when people looking to infuse hope some ways, this program, this idea, this political maneuver, all these different things, people trying to conjure up hope. And little do they realize, they seem to realize that hope is only found in Jesus. And this is a hope everybody in this room can count on. Paul talks about this in Romans 5. He says this kind of hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Ghost that was given unto us. I've got great news for everybody here. God wants to pour the Holy Ghost into your heart. His love will come in like a flood today. All he needs is somebody to walk up to an altar or even right there at your seat and say, you know what? I want that love of God. There's a lot of things in me that need healed. There's a lot of things in me that need change. And I need that love to cover. I need that salve of his spirit to change me forever. Come on, is there anybody that could use some of that? Is there anybody that will step out of your seat right now and just come to an altar of prayer? It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your background is. I don't see anybody here that couldn't use some more love of God in their heart. I can't see anybody here that's not affected by the downfall and the frailty of man. I don't see anybody here that doesn't have the potential for a, a warning light to be flashing on your dashboard. Come on, is there anybody else? Come on, look at all these. It's honest people. You're not by yourself. 
You're not by yourself. Come on, bring your anger. Bring your frustration. Pour it out at an altar. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice in prayer. The Lord's here to meet you. He's looking for you. Looking to pour His Spirit and His love in you. Come on, that's it. How long has that thing been on? How long has it been flashing? How long have you been living in that lie saying it's just a sensor? I can still go. I can still make it. I can still maneuver. You're never going to go like God wants you to go. You're never going to maneuver where God wants you to maneuver. You've got to take care of that thing. Come on. Come on, pour it out to Him this morning. Pour it out to Him this morning. Everything anybody's ever done. Every injustice in your life. Love it go. Love it go. Love it go. Love it go. Let the blood of Jesus come. Let the blood of Jesus be your defense. Yes, Lord. Come on, there's a washing of the Spirit that's going to come into hearts right now. Come on, there's a washing of the Spirit that's going to come into every mind and every heart right now as you submit yourself in this altar. The blood of Jesus is still flowing and covering. The love of God is still covering multitudes. Still, still dismissing and forgiving. Paying the price. Come on, let's pray together. Let's pray. Ministry team, please help us in the altars right now.